Okay. Well, let me just introduce uh, our speaker. I wouldn't need to do that <clears throat> if you had been here for 30 years. Some of you have been. But um, about 30 years ago, Bob was one, one of the pastors here. Um, Dick was a pastor. I was a pastor. There was another pastor, too, and then Bob was a pastor. And uh, the Lord uh, directed Bob to go down and... Um, Shepherd the church there in Sedalia. And uh, Terry, actually, Bob's wife, Terry, was uh, one of the uh, college girls back then who had become a Christian. And uh, they got married, and um, then they went down to Sedalia and have been laboring there for for uh, many years. Uh, we're very grateful to the Lord for what He's done in and through Bob. Um, I wish you could be in here to hear my introduction, but <laughs> that's all right. Bob has had uh, pancreatic cancer for about a year, and but for about 15 months now, they since they diagnosed it, they they expect a person to live maybe three or four months, and so God has already done great things in sustaining him, and we we look for yet more in the providence of God. Bob, I just got through telling a little bit about the fact that you were a pastor here 30 years ago and uh, the work that you're doing there in Sedalia. Are you able to come? And Amen. We always minister in weakness, but Bob ministers in even more weakness. Now, and um, that's when the power of God is manifested. <laughs> oh, beloved brethren, my warmest greetings to you. How you've ministered to me and so many ways, only the day will declare it. Let's pray. Lord, we, we are we're glad to be gathered in Your name this morning. We boast in You. We glory in You. We rejoice greatly in Christ Jesus today. We know of another, no other hope, no other helper, no other shepherd, no other Savior, no other friend. Nobody else to go to with the words of eternal life. We're cast upon you, and we bless you, Lord, today for such a great salvation and being such a great Savior to us. Lord, we wonder how many are being brought into the kingdom today. We pray your kingdom come and your will be done. Amen. I don't have any official or fancy sermon today. I'd just like to share with you some reflections. And could we look at Deuteronomy chapter 8? <coughs> Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. 
through 3. <coughs> All the commandments that I'm commanding you today, you should be careful to do. That you may live and multiply. and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. You know, we read over some of these things so quickly and it says be careful to do it. That's what that's exactly what God means. Verse two You shall remember all the way. I'm speaking under the, the title taken from this phrase uh, for these four words, remember all the way. Which the Lord your God has led you. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, right? Led not so much in physical decisions. Shall I go here? Shall I go there? Shall I marry him or her? But, you know, in the context of Romans 8.14, it's talking about being led in spiritual matters, being led in victory over sin. Has led you in the wilderness. Don't you feel it more and more, brethren, that this world is a wilderness? It's not our home. It is a strange land. We're citizens of, of heaven. These 40 years, for me, this year, it's been 40 years. That He might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, whether you'd keep His commandments or not. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you didn't know. You didn't know where it came from, how how to get it. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand, make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. So, these 40 years... And he says, I want you to remember all the way. And I guess most of you know that I have, uh, 15 months ago, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, which is a death sentence, almost certain. And so as the old Puritan says, I'm a dying man, speaking to dying, dying men, we're all... We're all in the same boat, aren't we? The things that I'd like to reflect upon, you know, it's not like it's anything new. You know, every Christian knows that, well aware of it. But I can say one thing, that somehow it is different. It has been different these last 15 months. 
when you're tied to the track and you hear the train coming. Yeah, you just somehow it goes deeper. The things that you know, the things that you that you feel, it's somehow it does indeed. It's more real. And uh, so I hope the things here that I'm going to share are not redundant, and I hope it doesn't come across as being some sort of calling attention to myself, but that it might be an exhortation to us all to do all the more in the things that we know for certain already. And this phrase here, remember all the way, I, I think if I, one thing, if I had to do again, people ask me that question, what, what would you, you had to, your 40 years as a Christian to live over again, what would you do differently? And you know, here's one thing that I would want to do differently, and that is keep, keep a journal. Uh, if not a journal of everything, then a, at least a journal of the outstanding providences of God. Outstanding things where, you know, this is none other than the finger of God. God did that. And because we forget so quickly, you know, the Lord said to them, have you forgotten the five loaves and the 5,000? And uh, we're all, we're forgetful. We're not God. God is not unrighteous to forget but sometimes forgetfulness on our part can be unrighteous. God wants us to remember. I mean, when he shares a jewel and a gem and shows us a beauty of truth and some outstanding providence, don't treat it lightly. Remember it. Write it down. Not only outstanding providences, but outstanding prayer, answers to prayer. You know, it's you just forget them. And uh, it's... Uh, it's something that should not be forgotten. Another thing, right? I'm just pointing out a couple of things right here in this text, and I, and then we'll uh, go on. But there's a, a few things right here that stick out to me, and that another thing is 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 uh, the Lord. It says He led us in the wilderness, and uh, verse three, He led us. Verse 2, rather, that he might humble us. You know, here's the Lord's summary of how he led us. The purpose of it was to humble us. I mean, you know, you think, well, Lord, you you could have used another word. There's other purposes, you know. And uh, here the Lord was pleased to, to, to sum it up and describe it with this word, to humble us. And... You know, when we come to Christ, we're down. If it's a true conversion, we're coming empty-handed, broken. We're coming down. And, uh, but we're, lo and behold, we're not all the way down. We're down as far as we know. But there's a whole lot, of more, whole lot more pride there. And in a way, our whole Christian life is God humbling us. Showing us more and more and more that we're little and he's big. That we're dependent and he, we need him. (laughs) And just one experience after another where we realize, man, that pride I did not realize was there. Here's a new facet of arrogance, a new facet of self-sufficiency 
And I did not realize it. It was there. And so God just leading us on to humble us. And one way He humbles us is verse 3, He lets us be hungry, brings us to a place of need. And so when you see these needs come into your life, these pressure points come into your life, these crises come into your life, you know, don't think it a strange thing, this fiery trial that falls upon you. God lets you be hungry. He designs it, ordains it, the dross to consume and the gold to refine. He lets us be hungry and that He might feed us with manna which we didn't know. And uh, it says that He might make you know that man doesn't live by bread alone. That is not by material. Another thing that drives us The thing that drives us is not the physical, it's not the material, it's not the bread alone, but rather it's a spiritual matter. It's it's specifically obedience. That's the drive of the Christian life. It's like the Lord said, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me. And so we... uh, Another way of saying it, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and then all these other things, the bread will be added to you. And so, here we are, we're in a position of need, I'm putting God first, I'm trusting God, I'm seeking Him, I'm giving Him the preeminence, I want to do your will, I want to live by every word that proceeds out of your mouth, I don't know how this is going to be resolved, how it's going to be answered, but I'm trusting you for the provision And here comes the manna from a source we don't even know about. It's supernatural. And so, what a summary of the Christian life, huh? Another thing that that is just uh, all the more real to me after 40 years, and maybe this being my last year, is... Yeah, the brevity of life. The bre- life is so brief. It is so brief. I can remember uh, three years after I was converted, and I was uh, then driving gravel truck for Baylor Zupke. I can remember standing out there at the gravel pit, and I was 25 years old. Old Carl, Baylor's dad, was riding with me, and he was 75. And I thought, he- here he is, three times older than me. And I've I've got a lot of years left. And then I remember thinking, no, I know I don't. I know it's going to be brief. I know it's going to go quickly. And I better redeem the time. And indeed, life is so brief, it seems like you cannot lay hold of it. You can't stop it. You can't. It just goes by all the quicker, it seems, the older you get. And... and, uh, uh, it just marches on. Time just marches on. And, and uh, so folks, especially young folks, do not think you've got a lot of time left. Don't think that way. Don't presume that way. I mean, I always knew James 4 as a Christian. You know, we got to say, if the Lord wills, we'll live and do this or that. And that we cannot presume upon tomorrow that we'll do this or that. And uh, I knew uh, the, the biblical concept of life, the brevity of life, you know, that, 
that we're a vapor that appears for a little while. We're, we're just a watch in the night. We're a runner that passes by. And all of these pictures that God has given us, grass that withers, and, and yet, uh, you know, it just doesn't sink in on you the way it, it should. You know, my friends, we've, we've got to take the Word of God and believe it and act on it. You know, uh, uh, as a young person especially, you just, you know, you know you're, you're in good health and everything is carefree and, and somehow you just tend to think that you've got all, these, all this time ahead. And uh, it's subtle presumption. It's deceptive presumption. You've got to take the Word of God for what it says and live that way. Make hard, real choices and live that way as though your life were brief and though death is certain and eternity is long and you will not, be, you will not have regrets when you come to the end. The way to make your death pillow soft, one old preacher said, you know, is to fill it with hard work and I could add, line it with a clear conscience. You know, you just you want to you want to work for the night is coming when man can work no more. Take every fleeting moment and make something to keep in store. Redeem the time for the days are evil. Buy it up. Make every moment count. You'll never be sad. You'll never be sorry. You come to the end and you'll be glad that you've lived your life with a clear conscience before God. Our lives are like a tapestry, you know. And we weave our tapestry with the little choices we make, the little daily choices we make, the little decisions we make, the little movements, you might say, in weaving that rug. And so you, you, want, to make, you want to make every decision count for the glory of God. Another thing that, that, as you might expect, <clears throat> stands out to me is the certainty of death. Joshua said when he was nearing the end, looks like the very, that very day or the next day he died, he said he called all Israel together and he said, I'm going the way of all the earth. The certainty of death. We may think that you know, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna live a healthy life. I'm gonna eat right. I'm gonna exercise right, and I'm gonna take care of my body. I'm gonna live a moral life, and I am, I'm gonna get a lot of miles out of this body. And uh, it doesn't matter. It's appointed, and a man wants to die. Death is certain. It's universal. Everybody's going down. Everybody, we're going down, aren't we? We are going down unless the Lord returns first. I mean, I, I, I had the thought in general, really, that I, I would live 80 years and uh, then die. But you don't know. But one thing we do know is that death is certain. And the wages of sin is death. We've sinned. We will die. And we, we uh, death is so common, we kind of, Somehow it doesn't strike us the way we ought. And I remember one last summer when Terry and I had that getaway to Colorado. I uh, I came out of a restaurant there in Divide, Colorado, and uh, Terry was in paying for it. And 
I was out there walking around in the parking lot, and here was a a little a little dip in the asphalt, and and uh, dust a uh, little dust had washed into that place and into that little dip, and uh, I mean it just struck me like never before. What sin has done that kind of a job on us? Sin was that is that serious that it it reduces man to dust. That's how serious sin is. And so death is certain. Everything is passing away. The world's passing away. We're passing away. And it behooves us to live for eternity. To live for eternity and not for time. This ship is sinking. This house is burning. This bank is going to be robbed. And so put everything... In eternity, live for things not live for things unseen, not seen, for things eternal, not temporal, and you'll never be sorry. You come to the end, and you can rejoice if you've done that. Another thing that I felt gripped me more than ever is that then death is not the end, right? After this, the judgment. We've got a soul that is going to be somewhere either in hell or in heaven, forever. And so, death is not the end. And this matter of being launched out into eternity, it, it, never, it just never really, as a Christian, never scared me before. But I can remember a year ago, July, after I'd been diagnosed, and when I was really feeling it, that uh, just just being launched out into eternity, launched out into the dark, launched out into the unknown, launched out into another world. It's so strange. It's so solemn. It's so sobering. It's so scary. And when we think about death and being launched out into eternity. The one thing you do not want to have around your house, that is, around your heart, is sin. You know, the Lord Jesus warns about three times in John chapter 8, three times that phrase comes up, you shall die in your sins. That that is terrible. I've heard of people dying in their car, dying in their house, dying in the hospital, dying in a pond, dying in a manure pit, but nothing compares to dying in your sins. You do not want to die in your sins. And you, when you come to die, and and and. Uh, Stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That is, that is contraband that you don't want to have on you. And so, I'm telling you, I, I, have, I have come to see more than ever in the past year how we need a Savior. How we need a Redeemer. Lord, I'm so short of your glory. I'm so short of perfection. I've got nothing going for me. I don't have anything to recommend me. I don't have anything. Ultimately, 
how we need a Savior. How we need a Savior. How we need the death of Christ for us. How we need the life of Christ in us. How we need the death of Christ to pay the penalty of our sins. How we need the life of Christ to break the power of our sins. How we need a Savior. How we need a Redeemer. How we need a Shepherd. And be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, the sting of death is sin. If we can, if that sin is dealt with, then that's a whole other story. Yeah. And that brings that brings me to a, my next point, and that is, I am so glad to know the Lord. So glad, all the more glad to have a saved. All, all the more glad to have the Lord Jesus. I can tell you, I have wept more tears of joy in this past 15 months than I have in all the previous 39 years put together. That is a truth. The Lord saves saves the best wine till last. We've sung so many songs this morning already that bring this out. You know, we've got an anchor. It doesn't matter the storms of life. We've got an anchor that goes deeper. We've got grace that goes deeper than the stain is gone. We've got an anchor that goes way and enters into the holiest of all beyond the veil. What a what a savior, what a redeemer, what a great salvation. I wish I could tell you what I think of Jesus. <laughs> of his eternal sonship, of his absolute deity of His amazing humble condescension, of His perfect manhood, of His beautiful words, of His perfect life, of His powerful deeds, of His substitutionary atonement, and the great redemption that He accomplished at Calvary, of His powerful resurrection, of His glorious ascension, of His high exaltation, of His sovereign rule, His effectual intercession, His tender care, His second coming, His righteous judgment. I wish I could tell you, let me, I I feel like the song, let me tell you what I think of Jesus. You know, the only thing that we can have the only thing that anybody can have, whether Christian or non-Christian, the only thing that we can have is Christ. You realize that, don't you? Oh yeah. we got a few things we might say that we have for a little while, but really we don't have them. Death will strip us of our husband, strip us of our wife, strip us of our children, strip us of our house, strip us of our land, strip us of our money, our hard-earned goods. Little did I realize that that so many thousand of my hard-earned goods would end up in the pockets of some doctors and nurses over in St. Louis. <laughs> you know, you just see your money taking wings like an eagle, and it's gone. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. I mean, Lord, if you don't stop this leak, I'm it, it's all going. And. Uh, I'm saying all we can really have is Jesus. 
God has set it up, that He is the only one, the only thing that we can actually have. And He is the only thing that we actually need. If we have Him, then we have everything. This is God's economy. This is the way He set it up. This is reality. This is the world. This is the universe. God made us. And He made us for Himself. And all we can have is Him. Praise the Lord. I, I'm thankful for the Lord's salvation. I'm thankful for the Lord's example too. I mean, I mean, uh, like, like John 13, 1. It says, The Lord Jesus, knowing that His hour had come, that He, he would depart from this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them t- to the end. That's a summary of his ministry. <laughs> he loved those that God gave him. And God will, God will bring, he brings certain ones into our life. You know, we don't know the folks over there. And Uzbekistan, we can't love them, we can't touch them. Some, <clears throat> But here God brings some dear ones, some dear friends into our lives. Like here we are, one another, the one another's. And and if you love one another, if you love the brethren, you do well. You love your wife. You love your husband. You'll do well. You love your children. You'll do well. Of course, you don't love them without loving God first. You can't love them, right? You can't really love them unless you love God first. And the self is always going to get in the way. But the Lord loved His own. And then that John 13.1, or the first phrase there, it says, knowing that His hour had come that He was going to depart out of this world to the Father. And... Uh, I just felt it. I felt it deeply. It was it was it was divine cordial. It was sweetest comfort. Now here, Lord Jesus, you did that. You departed you departed out of this world and you went to the Father. If you did it, it must be all right for us to do it. <laughs> it's not a leap in the dark. It's not a leap in the dark. The Lord did it. And if he if it's alright for him, it's alright for me. I'll do it too. You know, in, in some ways it's it's in some ways it's easy for the Christian to die. You know, John Wesley says, My our people die well. In another way it's hard for the Christian to die. I mean, we're the ones that value life. The Christian, he just wastes his life. I mean, the non-Christian, he wastes his life. He throws it away. Throws away his time. Throws away his health. He's thrown his life away. He's wasted his life. 
But for the Christian, we realize that time is precious. We we realize that every decision we make has eternal consequences. We want to ultimately live for God's glory. Lord, you've, you've saved me. You've invested so much in me. And I want to do what I can for your name. What a debt of love we should feel. Lord, would you give me more years, more days, more time just to do something for you. Just to do anything for you. But ultimately, our times are in his hands, right? That's where we want it. That's where... I mean, after all, we're not our own, right? We're bought with a price. We're not our own. It's not my business. None of my business. How long, how long we live, and there's deepest consolation right there. Many great men of God, you know, they didn't have sixty years. They didn't have thirty years. Even the, even the Son of God Himself. You know, Heavenly Father, wouldn't You have wanted Your Son, Your Holy Son, Your powerful Son, a perfect ministry that He had, wouldn't You, wouldn't you have wanted Him to stay around more than 33 years? In the sovereign purpose of God, it didn't happen. And that brings me really to my next point. And that is, you see, the... I appreciate the power of God in raising up another man, someone else. I mean, you just think of, you just think, as I said, about the Lord Jesus. How about Joshua? You know, as I say, in Joshua 23, he gathered all Israel together, gave them a farewell address, and says, I'm going the way of all the earth. And he did. And you think, well, what a, what a, what a, it's, it's just a sad thing. When a, when a, I mean, you especially feel it with some man of God like Joshua signs off. Joshua, I mean, he'd seen so much of God. He was, he was anointed to follow Moses and he saw mighty victories. He saw mighty miracles. He saw the manna come down from heaven. He saw the water come out of the rock. He saw the Red Sea split. He saw the Jordan split. He saw the Jericho's walls fall. He saw the sun stand still. God listened to the voice of a man. No day like it before or since. And here, Joshua dies, and he's gone. And when a man of God dies, you just think of the accumulated wisdom and knowledge of God that go down with him. It's gone. But it doesn't seem to bother God. I mean, it seems like, you know, it doesn't weary him to build another man, to build another woman. It doesn't, it doesn't wear him out. It seems like God just 
is glad to do it. And so I've got to conclude, brethren, that, you know, the end is not the end. I mean, God is as, to, to God, the means are as important as the end. And in other words, we, we don't, don't look for, don't look just to the end. I mean, this day is very important in your life before God. And God working in your life, God refining you, God leading you, God teaching you, God building you, God instructing you, God fashioning His testimony deeper in your mind and in your heart. These, 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 these are the very valuable things. This is what this, God delights in this. This is especially is building men and women. And so here we are. Lord, here I am. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me, make me, shape me, work in me to will and do of your good pleasure. Make me a vessel meet for the Master's use. Put your hand upon my life. Stephen was taken. Then comes Paul. Samuel was taken. Then comes David. And so the process goes on, doesn't it? Another thing that I, reflecting back, I, I would like to have given more attention to the Word of God, to the good Word of God. <laughs> what a book. What a book God has given us. I could have known the Bible better. I would like to have known the Bible better. I would like to have enjoy, enjoyed the Bible more. And I exhort you, brethren, take some pains with these things. Take pains with these things, and you won't regret it. I mean, it is amazing the way the devil is so skilled at distraction, getting us to, getting us to do good things instead of the best. Mary has chosen the good part. She was seated at the Lord's feet listening to His Word. And I tell you... Uh, you want to you want to give you don't want to let anything interrupt. I mean, I know there's emergencies, but but daily get something fresh from the word. Daily bread, something fresh, something real, something that speaks to you, something you can pass on to your wife or your husband, something you can tell your children, some fresh thought that you can share with a brother. I came in here and Mason, how's it going, brother? And Mason had a thought. Fresh on his, fresh from the oven, to share with me. That's that. You want to you, you you want to look, expect that, believe that. And you know the Bible says that wisdom, uh, something like five times, wisdom is better than silver and better than gold. And uh, you know, do we really believe it? Do we really see things with God's economy? And like I, I sometimes use this illustration. You know, here's a nickel. It's bigger than a dime. And you're going to tell me a dime is worth more than a nickel? Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, here is the Word of God. It says it's better than the finest silver and the finest gold with the wisdom of God. And so, Lord, give me, give me this wisdom. The true riches. You know, I mean, that's why we, read, we ought to read the Bible. I say, Lord, give me some wisdom, some insight, some understanding, 
something valuable, something that will make a difference in my life, something that will renew my mind. That's why I read the best books you can find, not the chaff. Go to the men of God and ask, what, you know, what books do you recommend? Give me the top 50. Buy them and read them and know them. Don't fiddle around wasting your time and money on stuff that doesn't even have a scripture reference in it. Mighty in the scriptures. What was the secret of Joshua's success? God told him, you know, in Joshua chapter 1, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you'll meditate on it day and night. That you may be careful to do all that is written therein, and then will you make your way prosperous, and then we have good success. Joshua, you've seen all this power, and you've got, I'm telling you, no man's going to stand before you, but listen, you're going to have to keep your nose in the book. Last, another thing that I would like to have given more attention to is, is being under God useful as a soul winner. You've heard it said there's only two eternal things here on the, on the earth. One is the Word of God, the other is the souls of men. And if that's the case, we ought to give ourselves to it. Lord, would you make me, Matthew 4.19, would you make me a fisher of men? Very few see much success in being soul winners. Very few see much success in bringing others to Christ. And Lord, would you, would you grant me to do what needs to be done in my life? Give me the wisdom you know. Wise is the man who wins souls. The win, uh, maybe I got it backwards. But Lord, give me the wisdom. Give me the, you know, just pray about it continually. I mean, I see days go by where I don't pray about this. But Lord, give me open doors. It's, uh, Paul says, what is my joy, my hope, my crown of rejoicing is not even you in the presence of Jesus that is coming. When sinners are saved, angels rejoice. When sinners were converted to Samaria, it says the whole city was rejoicing. And so what a joy to see others come to Christ. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, here I am, send me. Send me, send me. So, we want to go out with a shout, right? We want to go out with a shout. Go down with a shout, because we're going up with a shout. Because the Lord's coming down with a shout. <laughs> I mean, immortality is shouting ground, right? I mean, in the end, it's, it's like the, the Lord saying to us, in the end, it's going to be all right. Everything will be all right. I'm coming back. I'm raising that weak body out of the grave. I'm putting it back together with your soul and everything is going to be all right. I am your Redeemer. And so we, Paul says, I don't consider my life of any account that I may finish my course with joy. Anything less is unworthy. We've got so much to shout about. Such a great Savior, such a great salvation.
Amen.